people like Lee who know a lot about this sort of stuff, I can confirm that that joke wasn't only rubbish in English, also in Hebrew and ancient Greek. <coughs> so, <coughs> okay, on to the serious stuff. <coughs> on to the serious stuff, the goodness of God. Um, I was praying for inspiration for this, and I thought everything needs a context. Without a context, it's actually meaningless. And I thought the goodness of God, we can only get a context in that by working out what we actually deserve. Okay, everyone's got favourite worship songs. <coughs> Mine is Who You Say I Am by Hillsong Worship. Wonderful track for a few of you. If you're, um, if you're ever feeling down, turn the volume up. No distractions and, and meditate on the lyrics. They're fantastic. The first line says this. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? So, well, okay, let's look at this. We know the highest king is, of course, God. Creator of everything we see, everything we can't see. Ten billion, billion planets, a universe expanding at the speed of light. He's perfect, holy and flawless. That's God. <clears throat> then I thought about myself. Who am I? <clears throat> and we know from the words of the Lord, of course, that if you even look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. And there's similar stuff about hate, of course. You've committed murder in your heart. So I gave myself about 15 seconds and I come up with a list of who I am. <coughs> I come up with the following. Liar, thief, fornicator, adulterer, hater, blasphemer and a judge. I could have gone on, but I stopped after about 15 seconds. <coughs> it's true. So, liar, thief, fornicator, adulterer, hater, blasphemer... Judge, does that ring any bells with any of you? If you're saying no to all of them, you're definitely the first one. <coughs> <coughs> the great man Paul says this in Romans 3, 10 to 12. As it is written, he's referring back to Psalm 53. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. <coughs> so the truth of the matter is, there are no good people. People say to me, I'm a good person, or science is a good person. No, you're not. There's Jesus and there's everyone else. God set the bar high. We deserve nothing. That is basically the gospel. We deserve nothing, and that's the context for this. And when I've, after I've given my testimony, we'll be returning to this as we come into land. So, Okay, my testimony. There's a short version on there that says turning point. <clears throat> and this gets inflicted on anyone who has a temerity to sit in the town centre for five seconds on their own. I'll go around giving basically a short version of my testimony to people. But here's a slightly longer version. Um, I've suffered from depression for... At least 25 years. And at the end of 20, the end of 2013, it had a really tight grip on me. I was desperately unhappy. I'd had one failed long-term relationship. A second was failing. Um, I'm quite slim, as you can see. I weigh about 13 stone. I was down to 11 and a half. I was hardly eating at all. It was a very tough time. And I can remember clearly... One particular moment, um, I was in front of the mirror, tears streaming down my face, 
repeatedly shouting to myself, you're effing useless, you're effing useless, you're effing useless. I used the full version, not effing. <clears throat> um, but I was actually shouting at the mirror. This lasted about a minute, and as the anger evaporated, I remember thinking there must be more than this. I started going to church around this time. Didn't really know what I was looking for. I went to a lunchtime service because I worked in the city. I sat in the corner for about half an hour, crying. That was the default mode at the time. Um, I used to hold it together at work and then lunchtime's go away. I, I sat in the corner for half an hour crying. A guy came over to me and said, can I pray for you? He prayed for me. Didn't make any difference. He said, my name's Brian, can we have a chat? I said, okay, we chatted, and that conversation changed my life. Brian made time to meet up with me over the next month or two in his lunch hour at a chapel near where he worked, and he basically explained the gospel to me. Um, after about the third or fourth visit, I made a decision to give my life to Christ. I still didn't understand what was going. I still didn't really get it. You don't, do you? Um, but I thought I'd give my... Nothing else had, had worked, so I thought, let's give it a try. What have I got to lose? So I prayed, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I'm sorry for my mistakes. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know what you're expecting to happen to me next, but I was actually shocked. I was feeling suicidal for a three or four-week period. My first thought in the morning was, I don't want to live anymore. I wasn't eating a constant pain in my chest. Um, <clears throat> very, very tough times. And I was convinced I was about to become the subject of a body on the track announcement that commuters are used to, very used to. And at one point, the only thing that stopped me was seeing the train driver's face and thinking, I can't put this man and his family through this. He doesn't deserve this. I spoke to Brian and he said, I think it's really important that you meet with local Christians who can give you support midweek and who preach the true word of God. He gave me a link to a local church, and that church was God Central. I went, I went along the following Sunday thinking it would be my only visit, because I wouldn't be around in a couple of weeks anyway. We were at the playhouse at the time. I met Lou at the lift. She can probably still remember it. <coughs> All the tears falling on her. Um, I then went upstairs. There's a guy called Dave Evans used to run the church with Ben Clark. Some of you probably remember him. He made time for me as well, and I sat at the back not really knowing what to expect. At this time, I think it's, it's really important to emphasise, I hadn't smiled for about a month. Desperately unhappy. Um, so Dave Evans tried to start, well, he did start the sermon, but I couldn't hear him because of the, the noise of the kids playing, playing on his right. I then looked to my left, and there was a tall guy in a leather hat, flip-flops and shorts. <laughs> Crocodile Dundee sprung to mind, <laughs> a.k.a. Ian Brown. And then to my right, someone got up and did some ad-lib scripture. And at this point, I just sniggered. And it may sound a really trite thing to say, but that was a big moment. For the first time for about four weeks, my focus was off myself and my problems. To cut a long story short, I stayed to the end of the service, and I'd never seen religion like this before. Just people who loved each other like a family and had a passion for Christ. And I made a decision there and then. 
Jesus, I won't end it all until I've given this Christianity thing a real try. That was a huge turning point in my life. And moving forward, I was, I was baptised 31st of May 2015 in a very cold tank <coughs> in the Playhouse car park. I'm sure some of you were there. There were six of us. They said, you're getting in first. <coughs> there was no discussion. Um, but it was, it was a fantastic moment. Obviously, baptism is. And I can now say I'm as happy as at any point in my life. There's obviously been bumps on the road. We all get them. Now, I think it's important to emphasise, I ignored Jesus for 40 years. I was a complete sceptic. You see, if Christians are hard time, very, very anti. Did he hold my rebellion against me? No. I repented. He forgave. I asked him in. He came in. I carried on in rebellion. Um, not many kids around. I was still sleeping with prostitutes. I can tell know exactly when it was. It's the first week of January 15. I was still sleeping with prostitutes. I repented. He forgave. Did he hold it against me? No. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. The goodness of God is all around us, of course. There are many Bible verses that talk of the goodness of God, scores of them. I've picked just three. Yeah. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. This is my favourite, Psalm 23.6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Fantastic. And probably the best known Bible verse of all, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So, the goodness of God abounds. So the key part is, how do we make sure we benefit fully from the goodness of God? A quick rider here. You will face trials. and I know a lot of you are going through a lot of stuff. Trust me, you are in our prayers. I know a lot of you are struggling big time with health issues, financial issues, mental issues. But your short-term comfort isn't God's priority. <clears throat> he has a plan for your life. And he will get you there to fulfill it. But let me give you a scenario. You go to the doctors, you're quite ill. He gives you medicine. It will cure you. You decide not to take the medicine. Question. Would you say the medicine doesn't work? Not if you don't take it. <coughs> no? Well, following God and getting the best of God's goodness means taking the medicine. What do I mean by that? Good question. A Church of England survey in 2017 came up with the following. 55% of people who profess to be Christians never read the Bible. 29% never pray. And 33% never go to church. Okay. Read the Bible. It's the word of God. That's how God speaks to us. Pray into all circumstances and all situations. That's how we talk to God. And do fellowship. Come to church. Make it a weekly habit. Just as importantly, probably more important, get yourself in a life group. It's great to meet up here on a Sunday, 
but time can be limited. But life group is where stuff really happens and people can get around you if you're struggling mentally, physically, financially, spiritually. Get yourself in a life group. So read, pray and congregate. Isaiah 55, 8-9 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If there's one thing you take away from this, Ben's mentioned it earlier, We're not capable of understanding God. He's just too great. We can't second guess God. We can't put him in the dock. You need to get to know, as he said, you need to get to know the real God, not the God you think he is. We cannot understand his ways. So whether things are going swimmingly or badly, trust him and take the medicine. Read, pray, do fellowship. It's crucial, absolutely crucial. Right, as we come into land, what do we deserve? Well done. The enemy constantly reminds me of this. He says, Jim, you're useless. You've got no hope. Certain death. Look what you've done. God tells me, I've got every hope and eternity with him. He says, look what I've done. I did a quick calculation. I might be giving my age away here. The great mystery. The great mystery. 21 plus VAT. (laughs) (coughs) I did a quick calculation. If I've only sinned 10 times a day, that's an underestimation. I've already given God 215,000 reasons not to love me. None of them have changed his mind. None of them. The goodness of God. Fantastic. I mentioned earlier my favourite song is Who You Say I Am by Hillsong. There's a, there's a line at the end, which I think now is it. In my father's house, there's a place for me. And let's be clear about this. Heaven isn't a state of mind. It's a prepared place for prepared people. The undiluted presence of God. No disease. No sickness. No death. No sadness, no depression, wherever you're going for, put it there. Despite all I've done and all I will do, in my father's house there's a place for me. That for me is the goodness of God.